Our guest today is one of the great drummers in rock and prog music today. He is the former drummer and vocalist for Spock's Beard, has worked with the likes of Genesis, Tears for Fears, Fate's Warning, and more, and is currently a member of Big Big Train. Uh, let's welcome Nick DiVirgilio. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, man. Thank you for having me. So I saw somewhere that you're like an avid golfer. Is that is that true? I am. I don't I, get to play as much as I'd like, but I, yeah, definitely into it. And you're out. At, are you living out in LA now with with the the Cirque du Soleil stuff? Yeah, we're in California, back in LA. So that's some really good golf courses out there. But wow, for sure. Yeah. So is is drumming what you always wanted to do, or or did you envision being a, a pro golfer at any point? I had slight visions of that, but music always took the precedence. You know, at my age now, I would love to do a guy. For sure, I'd almost give up. <laughs> you don't think professionally, but I don't think I'm not that good. That's not. I'm good uh, enough. I can I can compete. I can play, but uh, it's not that kind of. Right. Thing. Yeah. I mean, it's not a common thing you hear a lot of prog musicians say that they like to golf in their free time. When did you start drumming and getting into music? I was about four years old. Just kind of ran through, just always as a drummer or other instruments. I mean, I know you play guitar now and 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 pretty much everything. But what was the course of picking up the other instruments? Well, I just did whatever my brother did. So. He played guitar a little bit growing up and stuff, so I kind of just copied that. He played trumpet in, in high school band and stuff like that, so I played that as well. Um, he didn't play drums. I was the only one that did that, but I kind of just picked up whatever he did. That eight old, he's eight years older than me, so I kind of just kind of followed his lead a little right. bit growing up, you know. You've been doing now Cirque du Soleil for a while. How did you end up doing that? Are you involved with like one show or ver- the various different shows? How, how is that evolving? It's just one particular show called Totem. I've been doing it for almost four years now. Work was slow, and I basically auditioned online at, really? on the Cirque website. Yeah, I just kind of, they have a whole process where they want you to film yourself, and they have music from their shows you record on, uh, on top of. And so I went through that whole thing and sent in a package. And, it, again, you know, it takes a long time for them to kind of get back in touch with you. And uh, I, don't know, I forget how long it was, months, really. I got a call from the producer of the show I'm on saying that uh, would, would I be interested in getting a gig. And so we kind of went through the whole process of finding what it was all about. And then I found out that I could bring my family, my wife and kids on the road with me. Cause, okay. uh, like, I, got, I got schooling through Cirque for my kids and all wow. that. And so we did. We kind of, I finally ended up saying yes because of that, really. And then we just packed up the house and put it in storage and went on the road. And we've been doing it ever since. No kidding. That's really that's yeah. different. I didn't know that's how they do that whole thing. Yeah, there's about they have they have six touring shows like I'm on traveling around the world, and they have arena shows. They go into like big basketball arenas and they play for just a couple of days or a week. My show is set up for about six weeks or two months in each city, and then they have about six or seven shows in Las Vegas that are permanent theater things. Right. So it's a huge, huge company, and with lots of shows all over the world. How different is that in you kind of getting in the headspace to play that music live versus, you know, when you're playing with like Tears for Fears or something? Is it different or you're just... It's totally different. Yeah. It's not rock and roll. You know, it's all about the music is support for what's going on on stage with the acrobats and the artists and the actors and all that kind of stuff. Well, music, don't get me wrong, but it's not like you're not there to watch the band play. You're right. there to hear the music and watch all the... I mean, from from one perspective, it's pretty interesting music, though, right? It's kind of proggy in a way, from what I've well, the shows my I've show seen. In, yeah, and this show in particular has got some great. All goes all over the place. Definitely has some odd times, kind of proggy moments. It's heavy, rocking, kind of loud. Yeah, yeah. I even I even bought 
CDs before after leaving the shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah sounds good. Stuff. So I got into Spock's Beard, I guess, around 99, I want to say, Dark Kindness of Strangers album, I think. How did you get into the band and meet Neil and that whole thing get started? I met Neil and Alan at a blues jam here in Hollywood, and we just kind of talked and traded you know, music stories and stuff, and he had this music written and said he was trying to start a prog band, and um, I got the demos for The Light, and kind of just the rest was history after that, really. Joined the band pretty much, it was me, him, and Alan started the band a few days later, really. Yeah, I mean, I, after that point, I went right back and got the other CDs, and The Light, uh, I just had never heard anything like it, really. I thought it was some of the craziest music and that that got me into a whole slew of this whole kind of prog evolution of all these new bands and were you also aware of of that as like your main genre of music that you liked come you know coming from liking genesis was that kind of your main focus of music you wanted to pursue well not not I pursue i didn't think there was even a market for that kind of music anymore in the mid 90s right. early 90s you know i thought it was just kind of dead um, so we I, we were just anyway, you and Neil thought that we were just doing it for fun, really. Right. We all kind of grew up with the stuff, and it was you know be cool just to play some music like that. We were all doing other stuff on the side as well, so it kind of just fell and it kind of just happened that way. Played a couple of festivals here in LA. We met Thomas Faber, who owns Inside Out Music over in Germany, and then next thing you know, we we realized that there's other bands out there playing this kind of stuff, and there's record companies even giving little deals to bands. It was kind of a surprise. We weren't expecting it because it was such a it was such not the popular music of the day, you know. Right, and so. I feel I feel like nowadays it's gotten more popular. I mean, there's just so many bands putting out like all this great music. Yeah, it's much hipper now than it was. Okay. Kind of made it kind of made it come back in the 2000s, you know, and even the late 90s it was starting to come back. And now it's you know you don't have to be so like uh, embarrassed weird after telling somebody <laughs> you're in a prog band. You know what I mean? Right. So now you're in Spox, and Neil announces he's going to leave, and was it a no-brainer that you were going to just move into being the lead singer, or were you uncomfortable with that? How'd that work out? No, no, I, it was my idea. I definitely wanted to take advantage of that opportunity. Took a little bit of convincing with the guys at first, right? which was, no, you know, I guess understandable, and then, sure. um, and then I kind of fell into place after that, but I definitely wanted to try, if nothing else, you know. And those records turned out uh, amazing as well. I mean, are you now anything you do forward out, outside a big, big train? You're more comfortable singing and would and would pursue stuff as a vocalist. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I feel like I'm singing better than ever. Yeah. Um, and I think it just kind of, kind of came from doing it a lot, having that opportunity. Uh, the rest of the guys. I mean, you still you stay in touch with them and check out the new stuff they're doing or anything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. We don't talk that much, but we do. You know, he's definitely we're all on all on good terms and everything. So it's just a, and I, I listen to what they do for sure. You know, that's about it, really. Yeah. When you look back on that period, or if you go back and listen to those CDs, do you kind of favor more those that that you were maybe a lead writer on and singer, or are equal to the other stuff when when Neil was fronting? As far as enjoyment, or just yeah, just quality? what do you I yeah mean, you know, yeah I, I I mean I love the ones that we did. I thought we made some really really good records. I don't think that. They got the popularity that they deserved compared to when Neil was in the band. But, um, you know, we changed. I mean, we got a little bit more rocky, you know, for with sure. the new stuff, which I love because um, both guys rock for sure, you know. So it was, um, I liked the direction, but it was still very prog. It was kind of hard to convince people of that, you know. And then people don't like change sometimes either, so it was kind of hard to convince that as well. And I was very proud of all that music. So let's 
talk about uh, Big Big Train, which is, you know, what I really wanted to kind of delve into a little bit. Um, so you've been with them for quite uh, a few years, right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's, yeah, it's gone by pretty quick, so it's been quite a while. And how, so how'd you get involved with those guys? Rob Aubrey, who has been the Spock Beer Town Man for, for years and years, um, also worked with them a lot in the studio. And uh, whenever I was over in the UK doing Spock Beer tours or whatever, I'd go over to Rob's and do some session work, and he brought me in on a big, big train session a while ago. This was before they had David Longdon and they had a different lead singer back then. They were just trying to come back because I guess they put out some records in the 90s that did a little bit of business, but I guess not very much. And they were just trying to, you know, take advantage of the prog popularity, I guess, you know? Right. And uh, they brought me in to do this session, and then that's all I had asked if I wanted to just kind of, I don't know, I guess they brought me into another session after that because they wrote write a lot of music. And then eventually staff said I wanted to be part of the band kind of officially. And I said, sure. So you get together with them often or just one month out of a year or how does that work? It's, yeah, it's not that often. It's, well, it's pretty much every time I'm over that side of the pond. So whenever I get a chance to go over there for, I was there for Cir- with Cirque and with other stuff, I, mean, I would just um, it kind of work around my schedule. And it's kind of still doing that now except it's getting a little more popular. So, there's a lot more plans made for the future, you know, now that so we can figure things out. I'd rather than just working around my schedule. Are you involved in the songwriting and the arranging and what I have I haven't done? been, but things are changing now and I've actually put in a couple of pieces for a for the next coming C D, which I maybe will be out next year sometime. Oh cool. <laughs> yeah, so they're, but they're up really until now I've just been the hired drummer. And, and kind of background vocalist, which has been fine because it's been real, no, very low stress. Just kind of show up and play. Right. And the music's cool, so. The plan for the English Electric, was it intended that there was going to be a part two and the tie-in thematically and everything when they were writing the, the two albums? Yeah, I think so. I can't give you too many details because I don't really know them all like they would. Right. Um I could easily get you in touch with them to get you all the answers you need. Sure, <laughs> be happy to do an interview. That'd be great. I, I would love yeah. that. Uh, as far as the Progressive uh, Music Award, uh, you guys uh, are a big, big train, rather one like breakthrough band. I mean, was like that, that, yeah. You, was that a surprise? Were you guys aware of of that whole, uh, I guess, award show and nomination and all that stuff? Was this the first year of the awards? I don't know. If I don't know you know, I think it might started. be the second, uh, if, okay. I'm, if I'm um, following and they, correctly. Right. They found out that they got nominated beforehand. Right. And then uh, and David and Greg and Andy went to the to the award show, but I don't think they knew they were going to win. That was no. a nice surprise for sure. I'm excited to see uh, see the band get some attention. Any plans to tour uh, anytime soon? Well, we're working on plans. Yeah, they, they plan stuff really way, way far ahead of time. And with everybody's schedules and regular work and stuff like this, it's kind of a little bit difficult. Yeah, but uh, uh, it's definitely moving in that direction because there's too much music now going out. People are start, starting to want to see something, you right. know. So there is plans in the works. It'll be you know long lasting or you know how long it'll last. I mean, as far as just a one particular tour or breaking right. it up or maybe try to get some festival dates would be cool. So that that'd be great. Uh, I mean, is it different uh, for bands like that or like Spock's Beard when you were with them touring internationally I think most of the tours you ever did with the those kind of prog bands was, was overseas right so is it, it just more fans are more willing to come out and support that music live over there 
Well, there's that. Then you get more of them. There's definitely fans here, but you get you just more people went out to see that kind of music over there. And uh, it was just a little bit easier to make. You don't make a ton of money any time when you tour, really, unless you're a, a bigger band. But, you know, um, you kind of got to go where the money's at, too. So yeah, we were able to make a little bit of cash, not a ton, a little bit over there. But we definitely did a lot of gigs in the States. It's just it's harder. The United States is huge, you know, getting one place to the other. So there's a lot of expenses and costs involved in just getting from one place to the other. In Europe, there's a bunch of towns close by. You could be in a bunch of different countries, you know, in a couple of days. So it's uh, it's it's just it's easier, I guess, in that respect. Right. What are your major influences, either you know musically or or songwriting or or drumming wise? Well, I got tons, really. Um, I grew up a big Genesis fan. That's kind of where I got my prog started huge Phil Collins freak and all that stuff but then I, mean, I was a big Zeppelin fan as well and then as I got older I, I veered off in all kinds of different music from jazz Latin African whatever you know but always, but always a rocker at heart yeah you know I recently spoke with, with uh, Dave Kersner who I know you know and uh, he talked about the Lamb show that you did with, uh, with uh, Kevin Gilbert and Giraffe you know what was that like from your perspective, and and how was was putting that show together? It was a blast. It was kind of got my that particular gig kind of helped me get my so-called break in the business because after I did that gig with Kevin, I was able to join Kevin's band or music stuff that he was doing. Didn't really have a specific band, but I was got involved with him, you know, mm-hmm. and that kind of gave me my break as far as meeting new people, people doing bigger and better things, you know, in the music business bigger gigs and stuff. That's how I got Tears for Fears, all that kind of stuff fell because of that. Right. Oh, you so know what? Um, a big thing for me. Yeah, and um, and his his music, his uh, solo records and things, well, you were involved with, with some of those, correct? Well, the Shaming for the biggest one I did with that. Right. I was on a couple little side, uh, you know, B-side songs on his stud. He put out a separate, like a bonus disc, I was on that. And then uh, oh, there's a live thing too called uh, Thud Live at uh, where we play the Troubadour. Right. You mentioned um, uh, Tears for Fears. Uh, you also you played on the solo record for uh, Roland Orzabal, right? The uh, Tomcats. Yep. yep. Great CD, by the way. Yeah, that one is cool. I know. That's... I like that one a lot. Yeah, that was. Uh, it's a shame that that one didn't get more publicity actually when it came out. But, um, yeah, I agree. Fantastic record. Are you still uh, in touch with those guys? Any any plans there? Are they working on any stuff? And well, I hear. Excuse me. I hear they're writing for something new. I don't know what their touring plans are going to be. But I'd love to go back and play with them again. And I, since I'm here, and I know Kurt lives in L.A., I'm trying to get them down and come see a search show and all that stuff too. So, yeah, I mean, emails and stuff like that. Try and keep in touch. They um, we're I'm down in Florida and I saw them uh, well a few years ago when they were doing the uh, Everybody Loves a Happy Ending show and that was really really cool actually first time I had seen them ever, which was ridiculous but awesome show. Did you see me play then? I don't think I, you no I don't think you were there. Um, what year was that? It was I want to say 2011. Oh, okay, definitely wasn't. Yeah, I was doing certain. It was yeah, it was just a couple of years yeah. ago. They're almost like a mini kind of prog band to me a little bit. Like very, very have, poppy, but they have kind of the same elements, I think, that they kind of fit yeah, in yeah. that world. 
It's that, it's, yeah, that artsy kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, English. yeah um, for sure. Going back to the Genesis stuff, you know, you worked on Calling All Stations as one of two drummers. How did you end up in that project, and what was what was working with those guys like? Well, it was a dream come true, kind of, being in that studio, yeah. making that with those, you know, those guys that I grew up listening to, so that was weird and cool and fun and all of that. All of these emotions rolled up into one, and I kind of got it by luck, because uh, Kevin called me when I was touring with Tears of Fears and said, uh, Phil Collins quit, or he, I don't know how he heard, but he did, and they might be auditioning drummers so I found out where the management office was when I was in London and I brought them a Spock Beard CD and invited them to the Tears for Fear show and asked for an audition and they got back to me like six months later and <laughs> had me send more stuff and then flew me to England to audition and then I got the job to go back and record. Were they in the studio watching you recording and, and giving yeah, you advice like play this, don't play this? And- yeah, for the most, so they play me their tracks, and then Mike and Tony, uh, Tony Banks, Mike Rutherford, and then uh, the engineer producer Nick Davis. Just the three of them were in the control room while I was in the drum room, and I go do stuff, and they, you know, say yes, no, try that again, you know, and then just went through song by song by song. Right. Again, Breaking I, dinner, I, you know, go back and record where it was cool. You know, it's very mellow actually. Was Ray Wilson already uh, assigned as the singer? Because I know. David Longden, who was with you in Big Big Train, was almost their singer, right, for that CD? Right. He was, uh, no, they had picked Ray by the time I got the, uh, okay. by the time I got there. So yeah. you had, they were you, already had working. you hadn't met David then through that process. That was just kind of later. Yeah, I didn't meet David till later. Exactly. Big Big Train, exactly. What about uh, solo stuff? Are you doing anything new by yourself? I am working on a new record, for sure. Great. I got about uh, 80, 90% of it written. And it's mostly demoed. Now I just got to figure out how I'm going to get it all properly recorded here. I think, I mean, if I can get something done by, you know, early, mid, mid next year to put out, that'd be great. Uh, what's your writing and recording process like? Well, it's very, it's whatever I can get done wherever I'm at. <laughs> right. Sometimes it's on guitar, sometimes on keyboard, sometimes it's at work in the apartments we're living in. It's kind of really all over the place. But that's kind of giving it a little special flavor, I'm hoping. Yeah. Are you able to, um, I guess, record parts and using your laptop and then send it to guys and have them record parts and just do it all digitally? Or do you wait and book a studio like traditionally when you're doing something like that? No, I, I have done that before. And I'd probably, I'll probably do both. Right now I'm doing most of the stuff myself just to kind of get parts together. Some of the guys in the Cirque band helping me record things if I can't play them. So right now it's just getting things kind of on tape, not totally perfect here where it's going, and then kind of flush it out, you know, once I get most of it written. Cool. That's great. Can't wait to hear it. What bands do you listen to? What are you kind of into these days? Oh, uh, again, all over the place. But I'm a huge like uh, Muse fan. Uh, totally geek out on that band. Um, got into the last couple of Stephen Wilson records quite a bit recently. Yeah, he's great. Um, I like his stuff. I'm listening to an old Tool record just because I hadn't heard it in a long time, but he had it, and so I got a copy of it. Um, what else? Tons of things, really. So it's old. Yeah, my daughter loves Super Trance, so listen to that a lot. Um, Very cool. You know, my old classic rock still. Yeah. All yeah, kinds cool. Of- Favorite Genesis song? Favorite Genesis song? Yeah. Oh, jeez. That's tough. <laughs> um, I don't know if I can answer that, really. Maybe... Uh, 
Um, I think I might just ask this to every prog musician I interview because I'm, I, think, <laughs> I think I might get the same type of response. He's back in New York City. Really? Yeah. I mean, that's a great song. I just wouldn't have expected that. That's funny. There's lots. I mean, I can go on a ton of things. Yeah, um, I can go anyway. Robbery, Assault, and Battery might be wide up there with... Also an obscure one, one very cool. One of the favorites. Um, some of my favorites were on them, and then there were three, too. Uh, some, especially lots of... I just remember all the great drum parts that Collins would play on some of those old tracks. You know what I'm curious about? Last question, because I know, I know you got to go, and you've been really generous with time. I don't know if you saw, but the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominations came out today. I didn't pay attention, no. Okay. Anybody good? Well, yeah, I mean, Yes is in there, which is finally, after just way too long a time. Um, yeah. But it's, the diversity is kind of funny because it's Yes, uh, Deep Purple, Kiss, um, but you also have like Nirvana and NWA and LL Cool J and like a band like Chic from the 70s. So, I mean... Right. What do you make of of that kind of group of artists? Any any thoughts? Not really. You know, it takes all kinds to fill a place like that. Um, I'm not a big Kiss fan, but you can't deny that they've been playing music for freaking 40-some-odd years. Right. Still selling out arenas, and those guys are like old men now. <laughs> I don't know how they keep it going, but they're doing it. So, you know, like it or not, they're incredible entertainment. That's good. It's a good variety of stuff, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks again for spending some time with me and the audience and, and talking and going over some of these things. My pleasure. And good luck with uh, with with the future of Big Big Train stuff, your solo stuff, everything you got going on. I'm, I'll probably thanks. end up buying all of it anyway. So cool. Appreciate it. All right, man. Well, thanks. Okay. We're gonna close out with a song from Big Big Train. The track "Makes Some Noise" off the new EP. Check theprogreport.com for more information and upcoming interviews. Thanks. Stop.
Give me some noise.